Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast on JewishCoffeeHouse.com, the show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. A few things before we get started. First, thank you so much for your response to last week's episode. Today, we will have the daughter of Mrs. Saradina Katz on the show, so stay tuned for that. I'm going to start a new thing, and hopefully I'll remember to do it weekly I'll start mentioning throwback episodes for you and linking them in the show notes for you to listen. And today's episode, I will recommend you going back and listening to is the From Single Mother by Choice episode. I think you will definitely enjoy it. So check that out. Moving on to today's sponsor. And yes, you can be a sponsor as well. I would love to help promote your message and brand. You can also dedicate an episode to a loved one who has passed away. So... Are you looking for some spiritual guidance? Do you have a halakha question that you'd like to explore and discuss? Or is there a Jewish topic that you'd like to learn more about? Guess what? Rabbi Johnny Solomon, otherwise known as hashtag the virtual rabbi, is a rabbi for those without a rabbi. And he provides online spiritual coaching, halakha consultations, and Torah study sessions to men, women, and couples. To find out more or to book a session with Rabbi Johnny, visit RabbiJohnnySolomon.com. I will also link it in the show notes for you to make it easy. And if you don't know what the show notes are, it's the description of this episode. And if you have trouble finding it, message me. I'll happily show you how to do that. We also have a WhatsApp discussion group where you can join, participate in dynamic conversations around the hot topics we talk about here. And I love meeting you, hearing from you, and all the private conversations that happen on the back end. Next, if you've been thinking of launching a podcast, I have an online course just for you that will take you step by step to launch your own podcast so you can build a platform and give a voice to the messages and ideas you want to share with the world. And this is a Jewish Coffeehouse podcast, so check out the other podcasts on the Jewish Coffeehouse Network. Here we go. Welcome back to the Francisca Show. Today with us, we have Zahava Wolf. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. We're here sure. to talk about career options for from women. This might apply for men. And I'll have you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, both professionally and religious. I'll start at the beginning. I actually grew up in Israel. I am a mechanical engineer. I do stress analysis on airframes, helicopters currently. I am a mother of two. I have two little girls, and my husband is a doctor who is busy in his own right. So I feel like I only mention him really because it's all part of the equation when we talk about what we're going to talk about. I just wanted to add, on top of career opportunities, I think there's something more primary than that that I wanted to talk about also, which is some of the advice that we give to girls before they're making their career opportunities. Because I think that kind of directly feeds into the choices that are being made. I'll just add into our prequel that the episode before this is with your mother, Mrs. Katz or Sardina Katz, who we had on to talk about Shadduchim. And she had a lot to say on all these different things. She did bring this up, this piece up of women needing more financial independence or trying to get some of their education out of the way before they're getting married because of the financial burden it puts on their parents when they're trying to marry them off. 
So I'm excited to do an entire episode on, you know, we talk a lot about the issues in our communities. Well, here are some solutions. The Havas here with some solutions on how we can be a little bit proactive and how can we succeed in the reality we have right now where being an Orthodox Jewish person who's practicing the Jewish lifestyle can be very expensive. So here are some solutions. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think we don't like to talk about money, but we should. And it's going to it's important in this conversation. We need to remember that it's good for the women to be making Why? money <laughs> and to be able to contribute financially and meaningfully. And we shouldn't forget about that piece. But I do also want to preface this conversation just by mentioning just so that nobody comes for me afterwards. This is not about the women, the girls who have made a decision to become a doctor or a lawyer or pick a high powered career. Those, they have made that decision and they're doing great and they're doing their part or they're living their truth. And that's amazing for them. What I really wanna talk about is kind of everybody else. Everyone else who's not already made a decision that they want to be some high powered career person, but they live in today's world. And like you said, most of us need to live in two income households today. Even if it's not forever, even if it's not your dream, for some people it is. I want to be able to contribute financially. My husband jokes that I'll probably keep working even if he can retire. So there's people like me, and that, but then there, there's people who don't necessarily have these big dreams or big desires, but they accept it, right? It's reality. We need to be able to contribute. And so now the question becomes, how am I living my life when I'm contributing? And am I making the, the best choices in order to really achieve that, you know, being able to, to contribute? And so by best choices, I mean... Am I making as much as I could be making while still having the other things in my life? And this is an important piece that I wanted to bring up before we really get into this, which is it is beautiful and amazing. And I encourage people to want to also be able to accommodate their families. We have two pieces here and people view them as conflicting, contributing financially to their, to their families and being able to accommodate and be available for their families, for their Jewish lifestyles. And, and by lifestyles on this side, I mean being able to cook for Shabbos meals, right? You want to have a lot of guests at your Shabbos table every week, and you're not sure that you could pull that off if you're also working a job. Because when you see someone who maybe works a high stress or high hour job, maybe they cut back on their Shabbos guests. Some don't, some do, right? It depends on who you are. It's more like the thoughts going through a person's mind before they start making these decisions. We're talking to the undecided people. Exactly. Or even the ones who are who feel like maybe they're okay. They're, there are people who their primary goal is, I want to be a doctor and I'll make everything else work, right? And then there's people who say, I want to be a mom and I'll make everything else work the other way. And neither one is right or wrong. It's your own personal preference, right? And it's your own happiness that comes with it. So those are the two pieces that I want to keep in mind. How are we contributing financially and keeping our what we want for our families, the, the amount of, of freedom that we want to have to give our time to our families, balanced. And I think that here is something that we haven't been doing so well in the past. And I think that there's today more than ever, there's opportunity to improve on it. But it starts with giving better advice. I don't want to call out any particular professions. 
until now, the general advice for undecided or forget about undecided. We're giving advice to bright young women who could technically go in anywhere. We don't want the high-powered jobs for women seem too intimidating potentially to put on a shidduch resume or too tasking for somebody who wants to live a very full from life where they want to be the primary parent with the kids and still participate in everything, which being a partner at a law firm may not allow you to, or surgeon. <laughs> what are the priorities that we're looking for? We have the flexibility. We have pay benefits. How about intellectual abilities? Will we add that into <laughs> the equation? But let's add more. Let's add another one. Let's add personal interests and unique skill set. Because let's not forget that. There are things you could like put yourself into doing because you think you'll get paid a lot or you'll get paid enough for what you need for your family. But if it doesn't interest you, you're probably in the same boat as someone who's not making enough, but also not interested in what they're doing. Okay, you're a little bit better off because maybe you're contributing better financially. But let's not forget people's happiness. Fulfillment. No, fulfillment, right? Like if you are fulfilled, a lot of other things can okay. work for you. Up until now, what are or what are considered very practical or great jobs for from women? I know you didn't want to mention names, but I think we should. Okay, I was going to say that. So I, I know I said I didn't want to call out a particular field, but I'm just going to pick one. Okay, pick I'm going to pick one and... PT, I'm assuming, social work. Right. So, okay, so I was going to go with like a speech therapy, okay? Speech therapy traditionally is something that a lot of people have been given advice when they're, when they're in this stage of thinking about and deciding, people will say to them, listen, speech therapy is great. You can work in this, the public school system and you have great hours and good benefits and pay. And a lot of girls buy the line. They buy the line that they'll be able to be off in the summers because they're working in a school system. Or even if they're not in the school system, they'll be able to like balance their, their client load, schedule them around their own schedules. Make your own schedule, I think, is, is the line. Right. Make your own schedule. Exactly. But let, let's break it down a little bit. First of all, not everybody can work in the public school system in New York and New Jersey. And so even if public school system in New York and New Jersey pays people well, what happens if you guys decide to move to Cleveland, Ohio or anywhere? Not necessarily true if you leave the tri-state area. Second of all, if you're not working in the public school system and not everybody can work in the public school system, it's pretty competitive to get into these systems. Or maybe it turns out you don't want to do child speech therapy because the field is actually so much bigger than that. A lot of people find out that it's not so easy to just pick how many clients you want if there's a number at the end of the day that you need to come home with. But if you need to contribute financially and you have a some number, that that amount of money you need to make to actually contribute the way you need to or the way you want to may not equate to the amount of clients that you would like to schedule in your week. You may find yourself suddenly working a lot of Sundays or more hours than your husband who is a PhD, I don't know, a, a psychologist. And I say this because I know someone like that. What we're saying is the flexibility that we're offering is trumping the amount of money they need to realistically bring in. Yes, potentially. And I think that when people are given this advice, people mean well. And it's true, right? Within a very particular framework, the things that, that they are telling that girl who takes their advice and goes into speech therapy were true. 
but it doesn't necessarily match her reality. And it doesn't necessarily come as easily as maybe some of the other options out there today, if the piece that you're looking for is flexibility. And that doesn't necessarily pay as well some other options out there. But it's kind of this thing that people have said over and over again, time and time again. It's the thing that you see the schools geared towards the Jewish women offering over and over again. So it's definitely something that traditionally has been put out there for these girls, but it's not necessarily the best option, right? Going back to how do you do this best? I would, I put it on a pretty low ranking in terms of how to do this best. And let's add to this, right? If it's not something that interests you, I don't want you doing it for your sake and for mine. I want you to be happy if you're going to have to contribute, if you're going to have to do this by contributing for the next 20 years, you want to like what you're doing. And if you just go into it because somebody sold you the line of you'll be flexible and it's not something you're interested in, you probably aren't going to be happy. And as a parent, if my child needs your service, I want you to be passionate. I'm not saying people shouldn't become speech therapists. I'm saying I want passionate people to become speech therapists for my sake and theirs. Just adding to the idea of this is for the people who are listening out for ideas and options because they don't have a natural calling to something specific since they're five or 10. Teaching is one of those positions. I know you brought up lawyer, doctor. I want to add teaching. There are people who are born and they want to just be teachers. And this is not to talk about the flexibility or the pay, but I wanted to add that option with the other jobs out there. Let's talk about the benefits or the best options that you would recommend and tell us why. Let's call it my overall pitches. I want to resell the Jewish women on the concept of corporate America. And this is going to sound crazy. It really is. I'm going to start with, there's a few others, but let's start with corporate America because it's something I think that a lot of people have warned women away from. And it was true. 20 years ago, working for pick a big company was the opposite of accommodating your family, accommodating your lifestyle. But the trend in the past years, and the truth is, is that this is even pre-2020, and then COVID just accelerated it. But the trend in corporate America today has been giving benefits that accommodate people's lifestyles. So that I'm not talking about a Google or a Facebook that wants to be young and trendy and is catering to 20-year-olds. When you move on to like the average office job, today, more than ever before, companies are recognizing that letting people feel like they have a life outside of the office is the best way to keep them happy. And for the most part, that translates to flexibility and being able to work from home or not even working from home, but being able to flex your hours. A huge trend today, and I say this because for Jewish women, I think it's, a, it's big, like over 60% of the workforce of the higher end workforce in this country today is not working Fridays or not really working Fridays anymore. And this was something that was definitely accelerated by COVID. But the truth is, is that I was not working Fridays in 2019. My company has just moved in that direction. And you see it a lot. You, you know, read the news. It's there. And people may say that, okay, a recession's coming. It's going to go. Some of these things are here to stay. It is the cheapest benefit a company can give a person today. And when I say corporate America, I want to add something, which is that we should not underachieve because the best people, the people who benefit the most, I should say, in these kinds of settings are the ones who are 
valuable. So instead of saying I can be an assistant at a company like this, or like someone who maintains the office space, while it's true that they get a lot of the same benefits in terms of amazing healthcare benefits and paid time off, and even my company pays for childcare for like flexible, if like school is closed, I have like a free babysitter show up at my house. But when you are a knowledge worker who's valuable because you're not just the bottom of the people in the office, you have more flexibility to take your day off or set your hours than the person who has to answer somebody important's phone. So let's keep that in mind. Underachieving or compromising, conscious compromising or conscious underachieving doesn't really get you where you want to go. It's better to be to be achieving something because then you become valuable in the workforce. You can look at it from, I'm an engineer, right? And I work in the corporate world, but let's talk about, let's say a girl who is more artistic, okay? You can say, where does she fit into this? Well, you know what? I actually know two people who are graphic designers, okay? They have full degrees in graphic design, but they work in user interface and user experience for companies like PayPal, eBay, American Express. These are incredible jobs that allow them to really take their innate skills and their interests and apply them in the kind of workforce that allows for real flexibility and real benefits. These girls get to work from home when they want. They're around for their kids. They work around their kids' schedules. They have the ability to cut back on their hours if they were to choose to. It's like a whole different world out there today than it was 20 years ago. I want people to think about that. Don't warn people away from the offices. Most of these offices are our guest bedrooms today. Um, And don't warn people away from the crazy hours because the hours are changing. And if you're not working in like an industry that is highly billable, something like law, or even the truth is accounting, I mean, it has a lot of flexibility, but you have your billables. There's so many other options out there and the world is accommodating these things today. So I want everyone to think about that because these benefits are real. Your healthcare benefits are real. Your babysitting benefits, so that's real money and real accommodation. Could you give some examples so people understand what the money is like in speech therapy versus a corporate job? What are the benefits? What When you're saying real, what are you saying? I don't know what a speech therapist make. But imagine, I don't know about the public schools, but I'm assuming it's per hour. So the less hours you work, the less it's all part-time, which means there are no benefits. Let's talk about oftentimes your side. So these corporate jobs, what are they coming with? I did a quick Google search before we got on. A graphic designer who's who gets herself a certificate in user experience, they call it UI, UX, anywhere between one and 150 is not crazy for like early in, in the career. And that's before they're becoming a manager if they choose to or before they you know, decide to climb. Okay, so starting salary, what are the benefits? I think it could be something like, it could, I mean, it depends where you're working, but $100,000, let us let us say they start off a little lower to start. So let's say it's 90 or 80 to start. But within a couple of years, all these companies have regular raises. So you get a raise, you get a promotion, you should be making over 100, not far into your career, okay? And that being said, on top of your salary, they're probably contributing 8 to 10% into your 401k, which again, let's not forget that we can contribute meaningfully to our retirements. And it's important. You're 
husband's job may not be matching anything. And then maybe it makes more sense to be putting more into your retirement right now. They're paying for your health care, depending on your, again, your spouse's work benefits. You may end up saving your family a lot of money by putting your family on your health care. I know it's true in my case. Saves us over $20,000 to put my family on my health care. That's a lot of money. And your husband's a doctor. So we have health care. We have salary. We have 401ks. Let's talk about pay time off. Is it unlimited? I don't I don't have unlimited. And the truth is, is that they say that companies that have unlimited paid time off, for some people it works. For some people, they never take a day. Now, I don't believe that a Jew would never take a day, right? Like, I think that it's, you know, it's psychological, but you don't have a choice when you're a Jew. You're going to take off those days for the Chagim. So I think we probably actually do better than the average worker in those companies. But let's talk about mine. Mine is counted, and I take every single day of it. I get four weeks of paid leave, but I can take them by the hour. So it's four times 40 hours. And then depending on the year, an additional five to seven days worth of hours. They have like additional floating system because we don't work Fridays. If there's like a national holiday that were, that were to fall on a Friday, they would, or there's certain things they would, I would bank that day to use at my discretion. And sick days. So my sick days are counted within that. And you mentioned babysitting for your kids. Yes. So I get up to 50 days of backup care coverage is what they call it from my company, which means I pay a $10 copay per day that I need to use it. And there's like a service that I submit a request to and they hook you up with a nanny or a babysitter or someone that they vetted and is in their system. And they come to your house there's also an option for you to send your kid to a daycare center. Personally, I don't know, like for a single day here and there, I'm, my kids go to daycare. But like to send my child to a random daycare for one day seems very scary. <laughs> and also there's like a, you can't really get spots in these daycares. So they come to my house, they show up at my door at eight o'clock in the morning or whatever time I want them. And then they stay until I'm done with my day. What about maternity leave and paternity leave? Maternity leave at Lockheed Martin is, what do we have? We have eight to 10 weeks of fully paid coverage through short-term disability, and then an additional four weeks that covers everyone, both men and women, maternity and paternity, plus another two weeks of family sick care. You, as the mother, don't get to use those extra two weeks, but like a man working at the company can use them first as time to care for his wife who just had a baby. So the men get six weeks and the women get somewhere between, what did I say, eight, eight 10, to 12. plus four. So 12, yeah, the to, you know, that 12 to 14 mark. Are there any other benefits or we covered it all? Are there any other benefits? There's like little ones. They contribute to, I mean, not necessarily little, but they also contribute to your HSA if you have one. So like they actually will put money in if you participate in their health care plan and it offsets some of the costs of the money you have to put out leading up to your deductible. If you're on site, they offer health clinics and gyms, which is nice. I don't go to the office anymore, but if you work at the office, you get that. Anyone could be thinking, okay, you got a great job at a great company and not all, you know, not everyone's as bright as you or as lucky as you. So what do you have to say to that? When we're talking about advice on a massive scale, just like I'm sure the first people who did speech therapy successfully in the tri-state area also did very well, but then went 
the market became saturated or people needed to leave the tri-state area wasn't such great advice anymore. Like I mentioned before, right, I'm an engineer and to a large extent, the assistant also has all the same benefits I do, right? Everything basically minus maybe my ability to be fully autonomous and flexible. But there's a lot of people in the company who operate, I would say, at my importance level, if we'll call it that, who are not engineers. And this is true in most companies, right? Like you may have whoever the primary, you know, like most primary contributor might be in whatever field it is in like a field like mine, the engineer might be a primary contributor, but the company actually employs more non-engineers than engineers. And that's true in most fields, the support staff or the people in management or the people making everything else run beyond just the people doing a particular set of work, all of those jobs are open. So if you want to be someone who works in, there are people who, who are like in procurement, which means that they spend time figuring out the best place for the company to purchase. find. Yeah, purchasing, exactly. Like the people who have to, and that's not a technical job. What kind of education do you need for that? Do you even need a bachelor's? Or a master's. You may need, you may, definitely not a master's. You probably need a generic bachelor's. But like in, you know, in anything, it doesn't, I think that's even something that someone could go into later in life. And I've seen this by us. Some of the people who are in it are maybe someone who worked at one point, took a break, and then found this job, went back into the workforce doing this because it didn't really, you know, it required you to be hardworking, to be articulate to be able to be organized, but you didn't have to have a, a super important skill set to do it. And it's a good job. And that applies, again, in all these companies. Talk about eBay, talk about Amex, talk about pick corporate America. It's There's a lot of jobs out there. It's not going to be perfect for everybody. And not every company is going to offer the same flexibility package and the same ability to work from home, but you can ask and you can look for it. And so I think the piece is that people make assumptions that a job has to be a certain way or a company has to be a certain way. But some of it is simply because they don't know anybody in that kind of exposure work field. Yeah, there's an exposure piece. And I think you see this a lot, which is, I mean, we know that there's kind of a lack of diversity in what people work in, in the Jewish community. There is, there's, there, it's, it's not diverse. How often do you meet someone who does something and you're like, wow, I never met anyone who does that. You just don't meet people that often in the Jewish community who do that. But there's so many jobs out there and people are working them. Good jobs. Jobs that don't require expensive degrees. And 100%. Okay. So I'm happy you offered management and purchasing and all the supporting jobs that are also corporate, but that are not science based and that are for great firm girls who don't necessarily have a passion for math, numbers, or sciences. Let's talk about Israel for a little bit. I know we focused on the U.S. a lot. I know you have some experience with living in Israel, not necessarily working there, but I'm sure you have some great advice for that. I have some, actually. I know I have some thoughts on this. And the number one thought is actually that and I feel bad saying it, right? But like let this trend of conscious underachieving is somewhat unique to the American Jewish community. And you even see it 
in what the schools and what the programs are training people to do. Okay, in the Haredi community in Israel, years before, starting now, the schools here are starting to introduce the higher, the more valuable skill degrees to the from girls. In Israel, the Haredi women have been coding for years. Some of it has to do with just the culture, right? Like everyone has accepted for years, everyone always accepted that you're going to contribute financially. And so if you're going to contribute financially, let's do it smart. So they went out and looked at what was out there and what was needed and what was going to give you a stable, well-earning job. And they created programs for those girls. Okay. So in that sense, they're just ahead. That being said, you know, anyone can code. Is coding for anyone? I think coding is for a lot more people than you would assume. It's not easy, but not everybody has to be a superstar. A lot of it is basic. Underachieving. (laughs) No, I'm using the term conscious underachieving for a reason. Because I don't think anybody... Yeah, it's very purposeful. It's not... People are not underachievers for the most part in our community. They work so hard in high school, right? That's that's really the piece. They work hard in high school. These girls are working hard and then they kind of like disappear. And they disappear on purpose. They make a lifestyle choice because they want other things. The question is just, are they doing it the right way? But that's why all of these girls are smart enough to be doing really big things or just harder things than we credit them for. I think a lot more people could be coding and there's different levels of it in different languages, right? And there's like anybody can develop an app. You think it's hard to develop an app? It's like the easiest thing a person could do with coding. It's hard to do a lot of other things. You know, it's hard to make a helicopter fly by itself. But okay, not everybody has to do that. How much of this translates to men? Same. Do men need that amount of flexibility? Yeah, probably. Probably it'll make their families happier, their lives happier. I see it even by us. The men on my team are happier. And each one's in a different stage of life. But I think that, like, there's one guy who I have a meeting with twice a week. He's a project manager on something I'm working on. And in his calendar every single day is in the morning. He has blocked off. It actually says, like, preschool drop-off. When we talk, he enjoys that. It's something he never had before. When he, he came in from somewhere else, And he loves it. Like, he loves being able to take his kids to preschool every day. Yeah, I think that men probably do need it. You know, I think in an ideal world, you'd have two parents who have flexibility. It makes everybody happier, right? My my daughter has her Hanukkah play concert next week. Yeah, whatever it's called. And she really wants my husband to come. And I don't know if he's going to be able to come. She's disappointed about it, you know, and we're honest with her, but she really wants him there. So, yeah, it makes a difference. I just want to add that there are studies, and I have not read those studies, but there are studies that show that uh, when you have both parents involved in child rearing, as in attending their programs at school, being involved in pickup and drop off and the everyday activities with the children, in the cases of divorce, custody slash all the other things are simpler to manage because it's not you make the money, you have the kids. But now you're going to get the kids on the weekend, but you don't even know what they wear in the morning, what their routines are. When you have both parents potentially earning an income and both parents involved in the everyday activities, there's this idea of we're both 
very involved in everything. And when we split it up, there's a system to work with. Obviously, it's horrible when for the children when their parents get divorced and there's no easy solution. But it makes it for maybe less fighting when it comes to custody because there's that idea of the child's interest and we both know what it means or what it what it involves. So I just wanted to throw that in. Let's talk about that being a parent dynamic and being in the corporate world. Like it may sound so intimidating. Part of that conscious underachieving is I don't want to be in a non-Jewish environment or I don't want to, you know, it's it's scary or it's it's not that it's inappropriate, but it's an unsafe environment for a from woman or even a from man. And then balancing that with all the hardships of working a parent of young kids. So listen, it's, it's a good question. And it's something I've thought about for a couple of reasons. The first one being is that I see all my friends back home in Israel. And I mean, I, I went to a school where like I probably have 20 classmates who are doing similar things to what I'm doing and 20 more who are doctors and whatever. They're all overachievers. Okay. But when it comes to my friends, particularly the ones in my field, and every once in a while, they'll ping me and they'll be like, when are you moving back? I have a job for you. Ray is like, I imagine when they go to the office and they take a lunch break, they get to sit next to other people just like them, right? They do. They get to sit there and they can complain about their childcare arrangement because we all do. And they can complain about, you know, they don't know how, when they're going to fit in the time to cook for Yantif, but they have each other, right? Like, so I'm jealous of that a little bit. I am. Like when I talk to a friend, I'm like, oh, that would be really nice. Right. And then in my life, sometimes I so don't identify with my coworkers that like, you know, if I'm like a little extra busy, this was especially true. Like it, when I was in the office, like if someone stopped by and like asked me how my weekend went and whatever, first of all, like I kind of gloss over some of the details. Like I don't, I, I personally was never one to like get into like explaining Shabbos to everyone, right? So I just like, I'm like, oh yeah, we were home with, but like sometimes I even forget to really ask the equivalent questions back. And I'm not an inconsiderate person, right? But it's really, it's my subconscious just like not really being interested because I really don't identify with these people on that level, right? Like their life is like so foreign to me that they're not at all friends. They're acquaintances. Even if I'm like very warm and I have, you know, jokes and, and good rapport with my coworkers, but like they're not friends and like no part of me feels like I need them to be friends. I think it's harder for someone who would like for, the, for their coworkers to be friends, right? And I, have, and I have friends in the Jewish community who do want to be friends with their coworkers and who are friends with their coworkers. And I think that's, that can get a little harder Right? Because if you want to be able to be friends with these people, then your life gets blurrier, right? Like your lines get, get blurrier. They're going to go out for lunch. Are you going to go into the restaurant with them and just not eat anything? Should you be going into the restaurant with them in the first place? Well, I'm talking um, more about corporate culture. You'll probably have a Christmas party that you're invited to. and Well, so it's everything, right? Like in corporate culture, people go out for lunch or like you, you go out for teen lunches. Or in our company in particular, they do like, a holiday dinner for individual teams, right? So we don't go to like a big Christmas party, but we def we have like a holiday dinner and it's like, well, do I go to this bar at 
nine o'clock at night when really I just want to be home. I'm not eating with them anyways, so I'm just sitting there. Should I be going? There are teams that have Christmas parties. Personally, I probably wouldn't go, right? And then you just have to, what does that do to your relationships? It's hard to know, right? Like, I think that if your group understands that it's just not within your wheelhouse, people are respectful. In fact, I find that non-Jews are more respectful than like a very, very modern Jew or like a non-Orthodox Jew when it comes to these things. Like, I have never been pushed by a non-Jewish coworker to get involved in something that I didn't want to be in. Like, they never, like, try to get me to just eat or just, why don't you just order the this or do the that? Or, you sure you can't come on Friday night to this? Or, they never push. But I also find that they're very respectful of my position as a mother. So I think, in a way, it's almost easier in this regard to be a mom because even a dad really but like you always have an excuse yeah you have an excuse you have you know like I want to get home to my kids and that's valid and people get that and that's a new reality that people get it right a hundred percent I think it's a new reality listen where I work personally as a mechanical engineer the makeup of the workforce is still majority old white man like old white American man for sure there's very little representation of any kind of diversity. But even these old white men have really come to understand and to like be able to value what I value in the sense that, okay, that's good for you. Was there anything you wanted to bring up? Like if you're a teacher or a parent or just someone who has high school girls in their life, like remember these things and try to hold back your preconceived notions or opinions about careers. And then on top of that, the the other thing that I wanted to add is this. Years ago, I had read like a paper or an article or something that talked about lack of diversity in engineering. And it wasn't talking about women. It was talking about just like ethnicities. Okay. And, And people tend to attribute it to all sorts of other things. But one of the primary reasons that they found that you weren't, let's say, getting Black kids or Hispanic kids in engineering fields was actually simply that they didn't know anybody in those fields. So even though they knew that those fields existed, you can't say, what do you mean? People don't have access to the information. You're right. The information is out there. But it seems to me that a very determining factor in people choosing to go into fields is simply knowing somebody else in those fields. So because we have this lack of diversity problem in the Jewish community, I just want to make sure that people leave this kind of thinking about, let's explore what we don't have within our Jewish community. Like next time you interact with somebody, with a professional who does a job, instead of just like, right, like we accept people do all sorts of jobs to make the world go round. Like, let's think about maybe this is a job that could be really great for someone we know, or maybe we should start, we should think about adding this to some of the advice we give or telling people to explore these jobs more in depth. And like a recent one I came across was appraisers. So anyone who's ever bought a house has probably had some kind of interaction with an appraiser. And they do that for, right, for banks, there's appraisers, but there's also municipalities employ appraisers to evaluate all sorts of different land values. There's like a whole bunch of different jobs. And some, I met someone recently who actually has an incredibly balanced, comfortable lifestyle. She makes like a hundred, she said she makes $150,000 a 
She knows people who make $300,000 doing it. And that's, you know, it's the same line of pick your balance, like almost as a speech therapist, like take on more jobs if you want to be, if you want to make more, take on less jobs. But those are salaried? So she was saying there was a time in her life where she was doing it independently and a time in her life where she was doing it salaried. And they each had their own pros and cons. But again, like that's a job. When was the last time you met someone who was an appraiser in the Jewish community? Right? Like, it's stupid. Duh. But like, let's think about what people aren't doing. (laughs) One more thing. Women just get paid less than men. And when I speak to people in high positions, I always love to ask them, do the men make more and how so? And a lot of the time the answer is because the men ask for more. (laughs) The women are just okay with less or don't ask for it. Don't feel like they deserve it. Any words of advice in that area? Like once we're coaching them and advising them which areas or fields to go into, maybe let's tell them also every two years or every time there's a life change or that should be the cue for you to have a conversation about promotion or asking for more. So I'll start with saying a lot of companies today, especially the bigger ones who are trying to encourage people to stay because that's part of their package, have gotten much better about this. They have internal reviews that trigger things. And more so, you can ask. I've asked. I've asked. I've said, like, I saw that they're hiring another person at my level. Be honest with me. Go find out from the person, on t- you know, above, is he making more than me? Even not even asking for the raise itself, but kind of holding the people around you accountable. I think that's, that's good and it's important and it's not as hard as it used to be because there is more transparency depending on where you're working right? Depending on where you're working. And if these things are more structured, you can ask. And when you ask and somebody notices if it's happening, then they'll fix it. That being said, yes, you definitely need to be bringing it up if you don't, if you think you're falling behind. And I think sometimes people wait for like an annual review or they kind of want to wait for like the perfect time or until they've like finished something big, you don't have to wait. Like if something is weighing on you, just bring it up. And I think that bringing it up goes a long way. Bringing it up like any other issue, right? Like if there was anything else bothering you at work, if you would bring it up, you bring it up the same way because communicating these things is really what's going to build those relationships. And it reminds people that you're valuable. So it's, it's awkward, right? And forget even before asking for a raise, Let's go back to make sure you negotiate when you take the job. But yes, after you've negotiated, right? Like once you've, you're in at whatever that salary is, don't, don't forget that you can bring it up again. If you know that you're valuable and you will grow, right? Like if you are taking a, a position that has real value and you're bringing value to the table by doing your job well every day, you're allowed to ask, what are they going to do, fire you? Zahava, thank you so much for sharing your valuable time with us today on the show and sharing these nuggets. And hopefully this makes a difference in someone's life. You know, maybe in 20 years, we'll get some feedback. Oh, you changed my life. I would have been X, Y, or Z. And now um, I take off for Yantif and I could cook for Yantif and have guests and not worry about it. So thank you. I hope so. You know, I don't need to hear it, but I hope it helps somebody. So You are so selfless. Amazing. Well, good luck to you. And if anyone wants to reach out, we will post a way for you to reach out in the show notes.
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or follow the show on whichever app you're listening so you don't miss a future episode. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, you probably will enjoy Zahava's mother's episode from last week on Shadduchim. She's a Shadchan, so go back and check that out as well. If you'd like to join the WhatsApp group, please message me. I'll happily invite you in next week. I'm not making any promises, but I'm working on so many incredible episodes for you. So I will leave it as a mystery, as always pretty much always. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode, please reach out. I so appreciate your support and your sponsorships. I am Francisca. You're listening to the Francisca Show podcast on the Jewish Coffeehouse Network. Have an amazing week.